Morning, everybody. How we doing? Good to see everybody. Just look at your neighbor and just wave or something. Just say it's so weird not having a greeting time and just I gotta have. A, I got. I'm. I'm telling you, I am hug deprived. I just need a hug, and the virtual hugs they don't work. I'm just saying they just they just don't work. So when we, when, I'm just saying when we get through all of this, I'm just hugging all of you. Okay, just extra extra hugs. So it's glad to see everybody here. We are. Um, we're starting, uh, last week we started a series through the book of Acts, and we're going to be in the book of Acts for a while. We're just going to go through it. I think, actually, we're going to be in the book of Acts for about three months. Is that okay? Is that okay? Okay, good, good. I'm glad you're excited. I'm excited. Ten of you. That's good. That's not bad. Um, so I would encourage you to read, read ahead. So we're in Acts chapter 2. Just keep reading ahead, and uh, you can keep up uh, with with the messages. and And I believe the reason why I was reading through the Book of Acts in my own private reading time, and I just felt like, wow, this is such a needed word in our world today, of how the church faced the pressures and persecution, the things that they had to face uh, in the first century, and we need to hear that today. And there's a common thread between the early church and the church today that allowed the church to make it in the first century and I believe is going to give us power to continue the work of of God here uh, in the day and age we live in and that's the Holy Spirit. There's what you're going to see. I love how Luke, the author um, of the book of Acts, just brings out how the Holy Spirit worked through the early church and that's what we're going to look at today in Acts chapter 2. How the Holy Spirit just enabled the church and thrusted the church out into their world uh, to be a witness for Christ. But also something that I think we tend to miss in the early church of one of the most powerful things that the Holy Spirit did in the early church, and that's unify the church. Because without unification, the church would not be able to move forward. And so with all the pressure that we're faced with today, how many of us know we need to be unified? Okay, good. We, we, we need to be unified, and I believe that the presence of the Holy Spirit is that unifying agent that will help us to continue to the work that God has called us to do. So we're going to be in, in Acts chapter 2. And so the book of Acts really just records for us also how God uses imperfect people. Isn't it amazing how God uses us to do his work? Imperfect people, how messy we are. Just look at your neighbor and say, you're messed up. Just say, You're messed up, right? And some more than others. But uh, you know, we we've got our we've got our things, don't we? And and God works through us. God redeems us for His purpose to to use us to bring His message forward to the church. We have to understand that the church is not a perfect place for this reason, because it's full of people. And I think we can just buy the lie to feel like, well. The church doesn't have problems. How many know the church has problems? And, and when you have people, you're going to have problems. And so, but God, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, uses our imperfections for his glory and redeems us through his beautiful son, Jesus Christ, and uses us for his glory. And so that's what I want to look at today. When, when, you know, just how God uses our messiness. I remember when I was in, in college, I had a job, and my job was to clean the the left side of the chapel. The chapel was big on our campus at Southeastern. It sat about 800 people. 
And so I had a friend of mine that cleaned the right side. I mean, it took us a while to do it. I would clean the left side, and we cleaned the bathrooms. And um, one thing I learned about college students is they are slobs. I mean, I have so much sympathy for people that clean now because I could just, just, oh, it would drive me nuts. I'm like, do people not know that there's a thing, an invention called the garbage can? I mean, it's really great invention if you ever use it, right? And they're just, and they're, I'm telling you, there were some gross things that I found in between the pews. You want, you want me to tell you one of the grossest things I found? How many just, I hope you didn't eat breakfast yet, but I, I actually would find toenail clippings between the pews. I'm not like, is everybody say gross? Just gross. That's gross. I'm like, are you kidding me? So one day I remember I was cleaning and I was so irritated and I was like, God, these colleges are just slobs. I'm, I'm sick of picking up toenail clippings. I mean, I was just so mad. And it, it was like, all of a sudden, there's this bright light that shined over me. And I heard the voice of God. It was like Moses at the burning bush. No, I'm just teasing. But I, but I, I, I heard, I just felt in my spirit. And, and God just telling me, Barden, this is my church. You know, my church is, is, is messy. I felt like God was showing me that, that this is what, the, the churches that were messy, but God uses our imperfections and God receives us and he redeems us for his, his good, his good. And, and see, God isn't looking for a perfect cathedral to show his glory. If you've ever been to Europe or have seen different cathedrals or been to New York City, I mean, there's some beautiful cathedrals with beautiful, beautiful artwork. And as beautiful as cathedrals are, God seeks to actually display his power and his glory through broken people. Amen? I mean, that, God doesn't look to show his glory through a beautiful cathedral, as beautiful as that is. Because the minute you bring people into that cathedral, guess what? It's a messy place. It's not as perfect. And so God chose to use us. That's what I love about the, the first century church. God used us people to impart his Holy Spirit to do the wonderful work that he's called us to do. And so I love how God uses us in the, in the moment you fill a beautiful cathedral of people, it gets messy. A house is only as clean if no one lives in it, right? If no one lives in it, then that house is clean. But the minute you put people into that house and we know, we thought we were going to be empty nesters this year. Ain't happening. Just ain't. You empty nesters, we envy you right now, but we have all our kids back. They've got to do online learning now because of college, and we thought, oh, they're all out of high school now, and this is going to be our glory years, Kathleen, and we're just all excited, and the house to ourselves, and this is wonderful, and the grocery bill is going to be more than cut in half, and it's like we're at Wegmans every other day. How many can relate? Can I get an amen for you that have teenagers in your house or older people? Oh, take a loan on our houses to pay our grocery bill every week. It's just getting crazy. But listen, a house is, is only clean if no one lives in it. So the reality of the church isn't that it's not a perfect, it, that's not as perfect because it's full of imperfect people. But the book of Acts, I believe, gives us hope today because God still works through fragile people and always empowers us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so what we, what we came to understand last week is that the book of Acts Ac, Acts was written by Luke, who was a close associate. He was a Gentile, but he was a close associate, traveling companion with the Apostle Paul. And Luke was just an excellent historian and wanted to give us a detailed account of the early church. So what the, what the book of Acts does, it starts with Jesus' command to the apostles, the disciples, early disciples, to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. 
And so what Luke does is he describes for us the acts of the apostles through the power of the Holy Spirit. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, the church would be established. So the book of Acts shows us how God started in Jerusalem and how it just grew and grew and grew. Exponentially, the church just flourished. And the early disciples, they did just that. They listened, into, they listened to Jesus' words. They went to Jerusalem and they met together and they began to worship daily at the temple waiting for this promise that Jesus said would come through the Holy Spirit. Now what's interesting is during that time, while well, the disciples were gathered there in Jerusalem, it was during the Feast of Pentecost. And during this time, they're basically celebrating, Jews would come together from all over, from all different nationalities and countries, and they would embark onto Jerusalem and celebrate the feast as one of their major festivals and celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was a celebration 50 days after Passover, where they would celebrate God's deliverance of Israel through uh, from Egypt. And so they're there, they're celebrating, they're, they're, it's a joyful time of thanking God for his provision. And it was during this time that the early disciples are gathered together and God pours out his Holy Spirit uh, on those early believers and that's when they were thrusted into their world to share the message of Christ. So if you have your Bibles or you can look up at the screens or if you've got the Bible on your phones, uh, let's turn to Acts chapter 2. And let's look at verses 1 through 8 and see what happens to the early church and what the Holy Spirit did through this early church. And I want to hopefully bring out some nuances here in the Word of God that maybe you've never looked at before that will hopefully help us today uh, as the body of Christ as we move forward in our world with the message of Jesus. So let's start with verse 1. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were, where they were sitting. Then, they, then, it, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared to settle on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud sound, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. This is incredible. So you've got this fire, you've got tongues of fire, you know, people, onlookers are listening. They're going, what is going on? How can these just Galileans, these 315ers, these Wayne County people know how to speak our language. I mean, I mean, they're impressed. I mean, they're like, what is going on here? So they see this manifestation of God outpouring of the Holy Spirit on these early believers. So they're all looking on. So you've got this huge crowd that's right there going, what in the world's going on? And they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. So when the Holy Spirit came, it was described as fire and wind, and those that were there were given the gift to speak in other languages that they did not know how to speak. And those that, those that were hearing this were amazed that these people were speaking their own language. Now, I want, you to re, I want to remind you that these people that were gathered in Jerusalem were from faraway countries who spoke different languages to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. 
Now, the onlookers describe what was happening in two ways. So if you read through the whole chapter of, of chapter 2 of Acts, you would see that they, they, they were in awe. And then some were like, wow, this is some type of miracle. And there were some that, that were kind of mocking, like, are they drunk? I mean, what's going on here? I mean, this is just weird. This is, this is different. And then what Peter began to do, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, he began to speak on all the onlookers. And he says, listen, they're not drunk. This is the very thing that God promised to all who believe. So what, what, what Peter will be, do is he'll bring out the Old Testament. He'll talk about the Old Testament prophet Joel and how he said, listen, in these last days, God said he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. This is actually a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy that you're seeing right before your very eyes. And what happened next was incredible. 3,000 people came to believe in Jesus Christ on that day and was added to the church. Would you say that's a good day? That's a good day, I think. All of it connected to the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that drew people to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Church, listen to me. Without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, We are just another organization. The church, I want you to see how important the church is in our world today. I love the church of Jesus Christ. I love how it includes everyone. How the Holy Spirit is no respecter of person. That God is no respecter of person or their background or the way they were raised or their ethnicity. We need to hear that word today. And the church is a shining example of a God who receives everyone. Amen? Amen. Let's say it together, church. Amen. Amen. All right. You, you'll wake up. It's only 10 o'clock. I know. We'll, we'll, we're going to get there. So what happened here was just absolutely incredible. And the Holy Spirit would be the vehicle that would bring people together and not separate them. So what I, I want to I show you a little nuance here of something we might miss here. So we look at the power. This is great. We see you know, we see this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We see God working a miracle before their very eyes. Um, but I want you to show something deeper that was going on here. God was doing something very specific to draw people together because without the unification of the church, the message of Christ could not go forward in the way it did. And I, wanted, I want to show you that what happens here is actually the reverse of what happened in the city of Babel. Now, let me explain to what I mean here. If you remember the story, in Genesis chapter 11 tells us of man becoming increasingly self-sufficient and prideful because they only spoke one language. And what they were going to do is they're going to build this massive city with this great tower, the Tower of Babel, that would reach up to the heavens, that just expressed how great they were. So instead of God coming down to us to show us his glory, we're saying, God, we don't need you. We're going to build up to show our glory. And God said, oh, yeah? Hmm, okay, 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 I'll deal with that. And so we see this prideful heart. And this is a massive display of man's ego. And God said, okay. And so what God does is, if you remember the story, God confused their language. In fact, the word Babel means confusion. And so he said that your language will be confused and you will not be able to communicate with one another. So the people who were building the Tower of Babel were wanting to make a name for themselves. 
And so by God confusing their language, they could not be unified and not be powerful to move forward with their plans. And so what we learn is the people were scattered and not unified. Now, let me bring this to Acts chapter 2. What happened to the early church when God poured out his Holy Spirit was just the opposite of what happened in the city of Babel. What God did was is he united them through their language, not by confusing them, but by giving them the gift to speak a language they did not know in order to bring other people to Jesus. Man, that's good preaching. This is good. Just now follow me here because this is so good. What Peter does is, is he uses this opportunity to tell them God's plan. And so the onlookers are amazed because these people that are gathered there are speaking their language and they're unifying all these people from different backgrounds, from different nations, all together to hear the message of Christ. And here's what Peter says to them at the end of Acts chapter 2. And he says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. Do you know, the, you know who all who are far off are? That's right, that's us. Ruth got it right in the first service. I was glad Ruth was listening. For all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to, to himself. So I want you to see something here. This was so vital. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the unification of the, whole, the early church through the Holy Spirit was vital for the message of Christ to go forward. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't see ethnicity, color, economic status. God draws together and unites us that we share the same thing. So the Holy Spirit is the vehicle that leads us to Christ and to the saving power of Jesus Christ. So I want you to remember the Holy Spirit would first come to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. So what we see is we see this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but we see it coming to the Jews. Now the problem here is a unification between two people groups that are completely opposed to each other. Unless there was a unification between Jew and Gentile, the message of Christ would not go forward. So what the gift of the Holy Spirit would do, it would authenticate God's presence in people. And this would be crucial in building the gap between Jew and Gentile. See, the Jews and the Gentiles didn't mix. In fact, they avoided each other. And there was this tremendous animosity during that time. And so the Holy Spirit would blend all peoples and break down that barrier that was between them. And what I want to do is I want to give you an example of this in Acts chapter 10. Now, we're going to get to Acts chapter 10 eventually, and we'll get much deeper into this story. But I want you to see how important the unification of the church would be in those early days, because without it, the message of Christ would not go forth. So God knew exactly what he was doing. And here's the example that's found in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, what we see is the church is growing. The church is just growing, and God was preparing the hearts of the apostles that the gift of the Holy Spirit would be for all who called on, on Christ. So right now, it's just going to the Jews, and they're good with that, they're comfortable with that, but God's saying, no, it's got to go to all people. And so you've got to get this. Now, for those apostles, like, wait a minute, 
We can't be around Jewish people. We can't go into a non, uh, we can't be around non-Jewish people. We can't even go into their house or we'll be considered unclean. How, how is this going to work? How is this going to happen unless God directly spoke to them? And so what we see in Acts chapter 10 is we read a story of a God-fearing Roman centurion named Cornelius and he was instructed to meet this person, Peter, the apostle Peter. And at this very same time, Peter is given a vision by God that he could eat meat that the Jews considered unclean. And this absolutely made no sense to Peter. He's get this vision and God says, the things that you see are unclean, I see is clean now. And Peter's like, are you kidding me? I can eat bacon now? Really? I can eat bacon? I mean, God, for thousands of years, we weren't allowed to eat any animal that was unclean. And you're telling me now that I can eat bacon? Peter is not connecting the dots at this point. But what God was doing was he was preparing Peter's heart to meet an quote-unquote unclean Gentile centurion named Cornelius. So this vision was actually preparing Peter's heart to bridge the gap between Jew and Gentile. So here's what happens in the story. As we go on with the story, God spoke to Peter and he says, do not call something unclean that God has made clean. So what God was doing was he was breaking down the dietary laws that separated Jew and Gentiles as as well as other ceremonial laws which include uh, circumcision, sacrifices, festivals, and special days. So Peter, he's confused by by the vision until he meets this man Cornelius. And listen to what Peter says when he realizes what God was showing him and when he would eventually go and meet this man Cornelius in the vision that Peter was given was explained. This is what God wants to do. He wants to unify Jew and Gentile, all people in the power of the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 10.28, Peter told them this. He says, you know it's against our law for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile's house like this or even associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So So the vision is not just about animals, it's about people that God accepts everyone and that God receives them through his son Jesus Christ who died for their sins and then later on in verse 34 Peter then replied I see clearly that God shows no favoritism now this is huge because without bridging this gap that between the Jew and the Gentile the church would have not moved forward so through Christ and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit this hostility would be broken down. And so what happens next is Peter gets to meet Cornelius and those who are with him. Now, now Cornelius carries a lot of weight. He has a lot of authority. So he's got all these people. You listen to what he says. And so there's all these people and now Peter has his Jewish cohort and they're all there and they're eating bacon together. They're just having a good time. They're not worried about it. And uh, so, so Peter begins to speak to this group of Gentiles in Acts, in Acts 10.43, shares what happens. And it's, he, this is what happens. He says, he is the one all the prophets testi- testify about. So what Peter begins to do is starts sharing the message of Christ with them, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through their, through their name. So now all these listeners are listening to Peter and they're receiving the message of Christ. They're becoming followers of Jesus. And what happens next is Acts chapter 2 all over again. 
what God will do is he will authenticate what he did in the Jews. He will authenticate in the Gentiles to show Peter, hey, Peter, this Holy Spirit is for everyone. And the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in their lives is going to prove to you that I poured my spirit out on everyone. So listen to what it says. Are you guys ready? This is good. This is so good. All right. Acts 10, 44 through 48. It says, even as Peter was saying these things, as he's talking about Jesus and dying for their sins, they're open, they're receiving. He goes, even as he said these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who were listening to the message. So what happens here is the Holy Spirit, as they're listening to the message, falls on all of them, just like Acts chapter 2. And then the Jewish believers, who's got bacon in their mouths, the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other languages and praising God, just like Acts chapter 2. Then Peter says this. He says, Can anyone object to them being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. See, what Peter witnessed in the Gentiles is the same thing that happened to them on the day of Pentecost, that God gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the thing that would unify the believers, that, that would tear down walls that would separate people from coming together in the message of Jesus Christ. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to unify the church to enable the church. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are there to build up each other. They're given to us individually to build up the body of Christ so that the message of Christ can go forward in power. So my question to us today is, we're not individuals. And if we just think of ourselves as individuals in the body of Christ, and my life does, doesn't make a difference, we, we've misunderstood what the church is all about. We are the body of Christ. Each of us have giftings that God has given us, but it's to build up everyone else so that Jesus Christ is glorified. The evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit working in the life of a church is, is how we walk in that fruit of the Spirit, that, that joy and gentleness, and, and how we forgive one another. That's the evidence of the power of God working in our lives, that we are no respecter of person, that we realize that this gift is given to all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's, here's where I would just encourage you as the body of Christ. What Paul said to, to, to the believers as he wrote many letters to the churches, and listen, the church wasn't perfect, and that's why we have all these letters to, to correct some misunderstanding or things that were going on in the church. But one thing that Paul did say, he says, yield to the Holy Spirit or continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul understood that our continually filling of the Holy Spirit would be vital in the unification of the church. And so every day we should be asking the Holy Spirit to fill our lives, to give us that power to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And the way it is seen, it, it's seen in how we encourage each other, how we lift each other up, how we forgive one another. That's the power and the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in, in the life of the church today. I don't know about you, but we need the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives every single day. 
And I would just encourage you, if, if you're holding on to bitterness for another believer or, or there's division within your heart for another believer or whatever, whatever the thing may be, I would ask you just to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, to allow you to, 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 to work through that so that we're not detrimental, uh, we're, not, we're not thwarting the work of God that he wants to do through us. Listen, look how, look how the world changed with that early church of believers that were filled with the Holy Spirit. Look how the world changed around them. It wasn't because they were anything great. They were messed up just like you and I are messed up today, right? But they yielded themselves to the power of God to use them to spread the message of Christ. It wasn't that they were perfect or they had everything together, but they yielded themselves to the presence of God. And so here's a couple of things I just want you to, to take away with you today. In Acts chapter 10, God unified those that were once alienated from one another. And so what can we do? What can we do? And how can you help unify the church? And how can we allow the evidence of the Holy Spirit to be present in the life of the church? Do you need, do you need to repair a broken relationship within the church? Would you commit to pray for the church every day? You know, who could you encourage and tell them that you're praying for them? I mean, these are things that we can do in the power of the Holy Spirit to continually allow the unification of the church to go forward because what's at stake is the message of Jesus. That's what's at stake, and we have to protect that with everything that we have, amen? Because it's vital because people's lives and eternity are held in the balance because of that. And so we've got to keep working on ourselves every single day to allow God to keep speaking to, allow, to us, to allow forgiveness to flow from our lives, to allow, allow ourselves to continue to be used by God in the areas that he's using us in our lives. Amen? And so that's why it's vital that we pray for our church and the unification of our church, but we keep moving forward in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And just pray. As, you, as you're alone with the Lord, just pray, God, I need, I need your filling today. Man, I'm allowing the stuff in this world to captivate my heart and I, I'm getting bitter or I'm getting discouraged and I need your presence and the power of your Holy Spirit to fill me anew and afresh. Listen, we're leaky helium balloons. That's what we are. We just leak. And uh, we need a fresh filling of God's Holy Spirit each and every day in our lives. Amen? Um, as we take communion uh, today, um, I, I, just, I, I want us to remind ourselves of why we're doing what we're doing. And that's why Jesus said, hey, when we take communion, we're remembering what Jesus did for us. We're remembering his sacrifice. When we look at the bread, we're remembering his body that was given for us. When we, when we, when we gaze into the cup, we're remembering his blood that was shed for us to unify the body of Christ. It's all because of Jesus. And so through Christ, we find forgiveness. We find healing. And so in Christ Jesus, we're able to offer the same grace that was given to us that we didn't discern or, didn't, or we didn't deserve or we didn't merit. But God does it because of his love, because he knew we couldn't do it ourselves. So he sent us the son to do it for us. Amen. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come at this time and, and um, we're going to take communion together. If you've got your, your multifaceted communion cup here uh, for COVID-19 protection, um, there's a clear, clear cellophane top so pull that off first. So let's all make a joyful noise unto the Lord as we pull the top off. That sounds really good. And then you can take the wafer out there. And then 
Yeah, that sounds good. That's good worship right there. And then the next, the purple thing, you can pull that back and hopefully I won't spill it and you can get the juice from that way. Great. Good job. All right. Good stuff. Can we pray? And just ask the Lord just to go with us and give us his strength. Father God, we thank you for who you are in your body that was given for us. Um, This wafer we hold in our hands, we remember your body that was given for us, that you were perfect in every way, that without your sacrifice, we couldn't find healing and forgiveness of our sins. We could not find eternal life without you, Jesus. So thank you for giving us everything. And I pray that you would just unify our church, that you would bind us together, that God, we would allow the Holy Spirit to be evident in the way we treat each other, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to be evident in the way we edify each other, that we would allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to be evident in the way that we treat and forgive. Lord, just let it flow through us and fill us each and every day. Give us a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit today, we pray. So we thank you for your body. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let's partake of the wafer together. Amen. And Lord, we thank you for this cup that symbolizes your blood. Without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. So we are so grateful for your blood that covers us. God, there needed to, there needed to be an act of contrition. There had to be something that appeased your holiness because of our sin. There's a penalty of our sin that we couldn't pay ourselves. But by you sending your son, who was perfect in every way, it appeased your holiness so that we could be forgiven and that we could approach a holy God, not in our strength, but through the strength of Christ Jesus and what he did for us. So we're thankful for what this cup means. Cleanse us, renew us, and we thank you for your forgiveness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Amen. 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 Would you stand with me? We're just going to close and sing about the Lamb of God this morning. So just stand with me and let's sing this together. God bless you.